وعلى رسول الله وعلى آله وصحبه ومن والاه أما بعد فعن أبي ذر رضي الله عنه أيضا أن ناسا من أصحاب رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم قالوا للنبي صلى الله عليه وسلم يا رسول الله ذهب أهل الدثور بالأجور يصلون كما نصلي ويصومون كما نصوم ويتصدقون بفضول أموالهم قال أوليس قد جعل الله لكم ما تصدقون إن بكل تسبيحة صدقة وكل تكبيرة صدقة وكل تحميدة صدقة وكل تحليلة صدقة وأمر بالمعروف صدقة ونهيا عن منكر صدقة وفي بضع أحدكم صدقة قالوا يا رسول الله أيأتي أحدنا شهوته ويكون له فيها أجر قال أرأيتم لو وضعها في حرام أكان عليه وزر فكذلك إذا وضعها في الحلال كان له أجر رواه مسلم Alhamdulillah, respected brothers and sisters, we're continuing with the 40 hadith of Imam al-Nawawi. And as we previously mentioned, every hadith in this chapter, it go- relates to a fundamental and very important aspect of the deen. So every hadith that you look at in this book, it's a hadith that relates to something very, very important and a fundamental principle in the religion. You can look at it as a, a very important theme in the religion. So this amongst all the ahadith is a very important theme. And this theme is how do we attain salvation? How do we attain success? What is this game about? This game of life. You know when you're on the basketball court? And people are throwing the ball around. And then we have some basketball lovers here. Home team. So when we have a basketball game and you see people throwing basketball through the hoop. And, you know, somebody just asks, oh, hey, what's the point of this game? Oh, okay. So whoever throws as many hoops inside that basket, he wins the game. Right? Or soccer. Or any sport. Or football. Football is a little bit complicated. It has like, you know, yards and this and that. And then some, you, you get one point and the other ones you get seven points. What's going on here? So point being is every game has rules and every game has a way of winning. And the game of life is no different than any other game. How do you win this game? What's this game about? You know? Like if somebody were at a basketball game and said, oh, you know, I got a lot of popcorn today at the game. I bought a lot of candy, you know. I bought a lot of, you know, sodas at the shop. That's not how you win the game. Oh, I ran a lot up and down the court. That's not how you win the game. I did a lot of jump. I jump up and down like this, you know. Did I win? No, you don't win this game by jumping up and down. And you don't win this game running back and forth in the court. You win the game by throwing hoops, right, to the basket on the right direction, not for the other team. Right? They're specific that if you do this, you win the game. The game of life, there is a specific way that you win. You don't win this game by making a lot of money. You don't win this game by, at the end, 
by the time I reach the end of this, you know, every game has time, a finish. You have a soccer game, your football game, basketball game, you have four quarters, or you have two quarters, first half, second half, isn't it? And by that, you have to, whoever has the most points, isn't it? Scoring that goal. The end of your life, you don't know when it is. And by the end of this life, what's the point? What's this whole game about? That's what we're going to be discussing today. There's a game here. I don't like to call it a game, but I'm saying it metaphorically. I'm using this word symbolically so that we understand and we're able to make that analogy that this is also something by which there's an end, by which you win or by which you lose. I will say one ayah of the Quran, it is related to this hadith. First, I want to give the introduction, then I will talk about the hadith. How do you win this game of life? Is it the person who has the most houses and the most property wins? The person who has the most children at the end wins? The person who has the most degrees at the end wins? Which is, what, what are you racing for to reach at the end of this life? You understand? The person who has, you know, the most friends? The person who has the most followers? What are we striving for? What's the end result of this? So very easy. Allah Azza wa Jalla in one surah of the Quran, I'll break it down for you in a couple of ways. One more, more general surah, Wal-Asr. Inna al-insana lafi khusr. Allah actually uses the words of business and game. Khusran. Khusran is what the word that they use in business, loss. Wal-Asr. Inna al-insana lafi khusr. Allah swears by this time. The time in which this game takes place. This time is so precious that a person who's played soccer or football or basketball, where you get that shot, that three-pointer, right before the last second, isn't that, 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 that last shot, that time, making it in that hoop, at that last second, that one second counts to beat or to win or lose, isn't it? Allah takes a qasam by that time. The basketball player who's in the last second going to make the shot, win the you know, championship, he knows the value of that one second. That if you make that shot, you won the whole championship. You miss that shot, that, it, it, literally that one second till the end counts. Till that one second, you can still make a shot and win. Right? It's not that, you know... Uh, it's not over till it's over, as they say. It's not over till it's over. So Allah Azza wa Jal takes a qasam by this time. That's how precious every second of your life is. Wal-asri. Allah takes an oath by that time because every second of it is a game breaker, a game winner. Innal insana lafi khusr. Verily in regards to this time, which is so precious that every second of it is a is a, is, a, is, a, is a mountain, is a gold mine, every second of it. You're in loss. We are in loss. Except those who have faith. Your faith makes everything possible. Your faith is the most important thing you have. 
Your Iman and your Islam is the most important thing you have. Because if you have that, everything after that counts. And if you don't have that, everything after that is zero. Imagine how valuable that is, Iman. That if you have Iman, everything you do after that is a point. Is a slam dunk. Everything is a three-pointer. Everything you do value, has a value. And if you don't have Iman, nothing has value. You can make a, you make, you can make a hundred shots. You can make a thousand points. You can make it, put it in the hoop a million times. It doesn't even count. Not even counted as a score. You don't go nowhere. Iman. And you do righteous deeds. Your deeds is your sarmaya. It's your wealth. It's your dawlat. It's your objective. This is the point. That the person who has the most good deeds, this is the one who is successful. And the one who enjoins others to the truth and the one who enjoins others to patience. Because in having faith and in doing good deeds, you get demotivated. You get tired. You get restless. You get lazy. You know, you get weary. And you need somebody to constantly encourage you for the truth and encourage you to have patience. Because having faith and doing good deeds is not an easy thing. Sometimes we fall off, but that's okay. That's what we're here for. Sometimes we can fall off, but that's all right. We fall off, but we get back, we get back on. The path to Allah, I was speaking to somebody just before I, I came here. Just before I came here, the path to Allah is very, very easy. It's like riding a bike. You don't fall off your bike. You fall off, but you get right back on and you keep going. You don't fall off your horse. We all fall off. But the path of Allah is so beautiful. Because Allah will give you a chance a million times, a thousand times. He will never judge you. And don't worry about anybody else. You have to worry about your relationship with Allah. And Allah will never ever judge you. Allah Ta'ala will never ever throw you off. That bike is always there. Oh, but I ruined my bike. No, you never ruin your bike. Allah will give you a new bike. Just keep on going. Oh, but I don't have a bike. Okay, then walk. Right? One of the elders, he mentioned this beautiful poem in Urdu. This is how we tread the path to Allah. We fell, we fell and got up, we got up and kept walking. You don't just fall and say, oh, I fell, that's it. I ain't never going to get up, I'm just going to stay here on the dirt. Hey man, just get up. This is how you tread the path to Allah, it's easy. The beautiful poem that comes in Hafiz Shirazi. Beautiful poem in Hafiz Shirazi. Hazrat Hafiz may farmaya that diwan ke dar sirat mustaqim ay dil kase gumrah nist. Har chi peshe salik ayat khayre ost. Dar tariqat har chi peshe salik ayat khayre ost. در طریقت هرچی پیش سالک آید خیر اوست در سراط مستقیم ای دل کسی گمراه نیست 
He says, on this path, anything that comes in front of your way, this is good for you. Because you learn from your experiences. Any difficulty that comes, any hardship that comes, any obstacle that comes, dar tariqat har chi peshe salik ayat khayr ust. On this path, anything that comes in front of you, it is khayr for you. And this is from a hadith of the Prophet. If you get sick, it's a reward for you. If you get poor, it's a reward for you. If you're hungry, it's a reward for you. If you get depressed, it's a reward for you. It's an ajr for you. Allah writes it for you as an ajr. When you have patience, dar tariqat, yani dar ra'i khuda, har chi peshe salik ayat khayr ust. Anything that comes on your path is khair for you. The one who is treading, who was on Sirat al Mustaqim, he's never misguided. That's why the belief of Ahlul Sunnah wal Jama'ah is what? No matter how much of a sinner you are, no matter how much mistakes you make, as long as you are on Sirat al Mustaqim, Sirat al Mustaqim means the path of Iman and Islam. Sirat al Mustaqim is what? Islam. A person can fall off. He's still on Islam. Yani, a person can make mistakes. A person can commit sin. A person can mess up. That's okay. As long as you stay on Salat as long as you stay as a Muslim, as long as you stay on Iman, then no problem. Just get back up. The example of this is you're on the freeway. You're on 101 headed to LA and you get a flat tire. You're still on 101. Just fix your flat tire. Get back on the road. You're on the road. As long as you're on the road, do you understand my point? Yes, you're on 101. You know that if I keep going up this, I'm going to get to LA. It doesn't matter if you get a flat tire. It doesn't matter if you get a blowout. It doesn't matter if you get your engine busted. You're on the freeway. All you need to do is maybe a day after a day, maybe after two days, maybe after three days, but you know that this road eventually is going to take me to my final destination. As long as you're on the road. That's what Hafiz Shirazi is saying here. If you're on that Sirat al-Mustaqim, your car breaks down, and the breaking down of the car is committing sin, obstacles, forgetfulness, mistakes, troubles, you know, depression, sadness, fear. These things come. It's okay. Just you're on that road. Don't leave the road. Don't go into the jungle. Because then nobody's going to see you there. Sometimes what we do is, what happens is, our car breaks down, and then what do we do? Oh, let me pull it into the jungle. You don't want to pull it in the jungle. You got bears in there. Stay on the road, man. Just stay on the side. Maybe a cop is going to drive by and see you. Hey, do you need any help? You look like you got a flat tire. Let me help you. Yeah, that's how it is. Don't take, it, don't take your car inside the jungle. Hide. You're not gonna. You're not gonna. Then, if you that's going off of Sirat al-Mustaqim, you gotta just stay on there. So the point is, this game of life. How does it work? The game of life works, but the one who has the most points before he dies, he wins. And what are your points? Your hasanat, your good deeds, your righteous deeds. That's how the game of life works. Just like in basketball, whoever gets the most hoops at the end, before the finish, finish timer ends, he wins. In a soccer game, before the time ends, 
whoever, whichever team has the most goals. The game of life is this. It's not whoever's bank balance is the highest before he dies. Actually, that's the stupidest game. Because you're, as soon as the game is over, you're going to say goodbye to everything that you gained. Do you get what I'm saying? You see how, how dumb that game is? That, oh, I got to get as much as I can. The people actually think like that. As long as I'm alive, I got to get as much money as I can before I die. Get as mon much money as you can before you die so you can say goodbye to it when you're dying. Hasanat makes sense. Because hasanat, it goes with you in the grave. Hasanat, your good deeds, it makes sense. Because you take that with you inside your grave. Now when you say goodbye to the world, those deeds will remain with you for eternity. We're not talking about don't work. We're not talking about don't earn a living. We're not talking about don't have a, have a, have a fat back balance. Nobody cares about that. I'm talking about the game of life and what your purpose on this earth is about. And I'll read one ayah. And the scales of deeds on that day is true. hasanat on the day of judgment is haq, is true. فَمَنْ ثَقُلَتْ مَوَازِينُهُ فَأُولَٰئِكَ هُمُ الْمُفْلِحُونَ The one whose good deeds is heavy, he will be from the triumphant ones. وَمَنْ خَفَّتْ مَوَازِينُهُ فَأُولَٰئِكَ الَّذِينَ خَسِرُوا أَنفُسَهُمْ And the one whose good deeds is very light and his sins are heavier, then they are the ones who have destroyed their own selves. They brought loss upon their own selves. See, look at the word that Allah uses. Dear loser, you lost the game of life. You see, it's a muflihun, winner. Khasirun, loser. He actually uses the word like, a, like the, the game of life. What is the game of life about? It's just about who got the more points, man. Very simple. This, this is a very nice analogy to remember. The game of life. The game of life is the points of hasanat. The winner is the one who got the most points before he dies. And the loser is the one who didn't make enough points. But he got red cards. He got too many yellow cards and too many red cards. He didn't get enough points. The one whose good deeds scale is heavy, he will be the winner. And the one whose good deeds is light and his sins is heavy, he is the loser. This is the game of life. So here now, we come to this hadith. This hadith now explains to us another aspect. I will, so we understood hasanat. These are your points. These are your good deeds. What is a hasana? What is a hasana? Any good deed that you do is a hasana. And here, the Prophet is explaining the hasana. The Prophet is explaining the good deeds. Anything good that you do. Any righteous act that you do. Even, the Prophet explained to such detail, لِكُلِّ حَرْفٍ مِّنَ الْقُرْآنِ حَسَنَةٍ وَالْحَسَنَةُ بِعَشْرِ أَمْثَالِهَا For every harf of the Qur'an, there is a good deed. Wow. Now that means that reading Qur'an is, big, is a big deal. Yes, it's a very big deal. Reading the Qur'an is a way of racking up hasanat. 
That's why Muslims, brothers and sisters, believers, myself, everybody, at least one page of Quran daily. How many hasanat is on that page? I always say this to students of Hibs. I said, imagine your teacher makes you repeat and repeat and repeat and repeat. I said, if you had proper intention, you know you'd be a millionaire. That's why the Hufaz and the Qadis, they are millionaires. How many times they repeat one ayah? Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim has how many letters? 19. 19 multiplied by 10? 190. So just by reciting Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim, you get 190 hasanat. Okay, if we, let's, just, let's use the word dollars just for. Let's use the word dollars. Let's throw it in there. If, if for each letter you get $10, just for reciting Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, you have $190. Now, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim doesn't even make a full ayah. I would say Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim would be, right, maybe two times it would make one ayah. Right? So what's 190 multiplied by two? 380? 380? So if you multiply 380 times 15. So 380 times 15 lines. Whatever that is. Imagine if you were to just multiply that, this is the amount of hasanat you're getting for reading one page of the Quran. Now who, a person has a habit of reading three pages or a person has a habit of reading one juz. This is why we understand the Salaf and the pious predecessors, they would make one khatam of the Qur'an every day. Or they would make one khatam of the Qur'an every week. Their mind was on these hasanat. Their whole perspective was different. Their whole mindset was different. They had a value of these amal. And many of them were, you know, some of them were butchers and some of them were bakers and some of them were farmers and some of them were tajir and tujar and some of them had caravans and some of them were and while they do that they're also reciting their quran and they're making their dhikr and they're doing all their other things as well my point is is that we have to understand that this game what is it about as many hasanat as we can attain as many hasanat as we can get we have to get and from this we also understand Allah Ta'ala does not want us. They have another understanding about life. We become overwhelmed by our mistakes. There's some people, I don't know what's up with them, constantly beating themselves up about their inability. Do you think Allah wants you to become an angel? Allah has millions of angels. All they do is prostrate, day and night. They don't do anything else. All they do, they're in ruku. They don't do anything else. All they do is fast. They don't even eat. They make tasbih and they make subhanallah and alhamdulillah day and night and they don't get tired. And there's people sitting, oh, you know, I didn't make tasbih today. Oh, you know, I just, I thought about something bad today. Oh, you know, somebody said salam to me and I wasn't able to reply to him. Don't beat yourself up about, because let me tell you something. Allah wants us to do our best. Allah doesn't want from us perfection. Because if Allah wanted from human beings perfection, He wouldn't have created us because He already had a perfect creation. Creation that were masum, they are sinless, they are created of light, they don't have filth, they don't urinate, they don't defecate, they don't smell, they are pure, munazza, clean, 
and all they do is glorify God day and night. Why did He create you? Because Allah loved that despite your imperfection, you strive for perfection. This is what Allah loves. You accept that, oh Allah, I am a sinner, but I will never leave your doorstep. Allah loves that. One of our mashayikh said, come to Allah with something that he doesn't have. What? So when you're going to Allah, don't go to Allah with what he has. Take to Allah something that he doesn't have. What? What, the, what does Allah not have? Allah does not have humility and humbleness. Allah doesn't have brokenness. Allah doesn't have lowliness. Allah doesn't have tadallul. Allah doesn't have villah uh, 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 and inkisar and tawadu'. Allah is mutakabbir. Allah is dhul jalali wal ikram. Allah is qahar and jabbar. And that is why He loves our lowliness. He loves our humbleness. He loves our asking for forgiveness. He loves that we say, Oh Allah, I am the worst of the worst, but I'm going to put my head on your doorstep and I'm not moving from here until you forgive me. One of our mashayikh said, go to Allah with something that he doesn't have. So what is that? With tears. Go to him with your tears. No angel has any tears. No angel ever shed a tear. They can't. They don't. It is human beings, and that is why Allah Azza wa Jal created the, uh, the, the, the capacity within us to make mistakes. Not so that we remain in mistakes, so that we realize our mistakes and cry to Allah Azza wa Jal and return to Him in forgiveness. And Allah loves that because Allah would not be able to manifest that sifat of forgiveness if we couldn't make mistakes. Allah would not manifest His quality of forgiveness if we did not make mistakes. And that is why it comes in a very authentic hadith that if the creation did not commit sins, Allah would do away with them and create a creation that has the capacity to sin so that they would make mistake and realize and then Allah would forgive them and have mercy on them. Is that encouraging us to commit sins? No. It's making us realize that the capacity to make mistake is something that Allah has put within us. But to remain in mistake, Allah doesn't want that from us. But the capacity, yes, He has put us in that. That we have the capacity to sin. We have the capacity to make mistakes. Angels don't have that capacity. Allah put that in us so that we strive, so that we make effort, so we try to stay away from it. And then if we fall, then we turn to Him and realize and ask for forgiveness. And then Allah becomes ghaffar. Allah manifests His ghaffar. Allah manifests His ghafoor. Allah manifests His ghafir. His forgiveness. His mercy. His pardoning. How would that even manifest if we did not have that capacity? Subhanallah. So Allah does not want from us perfection. That's what I was saying. He wants that your good should become more than your bad. That's what the mizan is for. The mizan doesn't weigh your perfection. The scales doesn't weigh your perfection. 
The scale weighs which is more than the other. In other words, we will all have sin that's going to go on that scale. We will all have mistakes that is going to go on that scale. We're all going to have wrongs that we did that's going to go on. But as long as your goods are more than your wrongs. So don't beat yourself up about it. That's the way Allah made it. Understand that that's the way He made it. And as long as you stay on that doorstep, anybody who perform this Salatul Isha with Jamaat, you perform this Salatul Isha with Jamaat, then you have something great to hope for. Because the Prophet said, the person who performs Salatul Isha with Jamaat in the Masjid, it is as if he gets the reward of praying half the night. And the person who performs Salatul Fajr with Jamaat in the Masjid, it's as if he performed the other half. And you don't have something to hope for? As long as you hold on to that, come to Allah with something. Come to Him with something. And if you come to Him with nothing, like I said, there's a, bro there's a, there's a brother, he told me, Shaykh, I can't do anything. I said, yeah, what do you mean? He said, when I read Quran, I fall asleep. When I hold the tasbih, I fall asleep. I can't do anything. I said, okay, then come to Allah and say, Oh Allah, I can't do anything. This is something. Yeah. What is this something? Meaning, I'll never, I'll never leave you. This is Islam. I will never leave my deen. I'm nothing. You make me something. What's the something that you can make me? Just forgive me. Just accept me. Allah loves this. Allah loves this very, very much. We think that, you know, like, coming to Allah with like a millionaire. Allah doesn't want you to come to Him like a millionaire. Allah wants you to come to Him as a poor person. Because He's the most generous of those who are generous. When you come to Him, the most afqarul fuqara, the most poorest of the poor and impoverished, He'll say, you have no deeds, but you came to me with something. La ilaha illallah, Muhammadur Rasulullah. I will give you everything. As long as you came to me with that, I will give you everything. This doesn't mean we don't do. This means that don't become hopeless if you think you have nothing, because you have everything if you have la ilaha illallah. There will be one person like that on the day of judgment. Who will he be? He will be a person that comes in front of Allah saying, I am muflis, thinking he's muflis. Whereas no believer is muflis. No believer is muflis. Muflis is bankrupt. Zero. Zero in his account. So he comes and they said, well, they bring 99 scrolls of sins against this person. 99 scrolls that he committed sins. Well, looks like you ain't got nothing. You're muflis. You're bankrupt. And then they pull out one little piece of paper. And on that piece of paper, they say, wait, 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 wait. we have one angel said, we found something. We found something. There's one piece of paper. La ilaha illallah Muhammadur Rasulullah. That one paper. And they put that on the scale. It became so heavy that it, all the 99 scrolls of sins, they fly away. That's how heavy this was. Smashed to the ground and made the scrolls fly away. La ilaha illallah Muhammadur Rasulullah. He said, okay, now take him to Jannah. That is your commitment to Allah. Why is that something so heavy? Why does that take a person and throw all of his sins away? You're probably thinking, oh, well, then just say, la ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah, and just like, that's it. Just accept Jesus Christ in your heart and he forgave you, you know? No. This is your commitment 
Your la ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah is a very big deal, especially in this time of fitna, where our deen is literally being ambushed from all sides. Your la ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah means what? Oh Allah, I will never, never leave your doorstep. That's what it means. This is not something small. There's not, not something small. This is your commitment, your bay'ah, your covenant, and your promise, and your oath that you made to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Ya Allah, I will never leave your doorstep. I have nothing. All I have with me is that I will never leave Islam. I will never leave Iman. I will never leave your doorstep. That's everything. So, in this hadith, Abu Zar anhu narrates that a group of Sahaba, they asked the Messenger of Allah, they said, Ya Rasulullah, we're talking about this game. We're losing this game. All the people of wealth, all the wealthy Sahaba, ذَهَبَ أَهْلُ الدُّثُورِ بِالْأُجُورِ The people of wealth are running with all the good deeds, with all the ajr, and we can't compete with them no more. They're giving charity. They're giving money to the poor. They're feeding the hungry. They're clothing those who are naked. And we can't do that. They pray and we pray. And they fast and we fast. But now they have money. They can spend. And they're beating us through their charities. And we don't have anything. We pray, they pray. We fast, they fast. But now they're doing something that we can't do. They have money and they're spending their charity and they're beating us in the game. Right? They got steroids. They're winning. They had steroids. They're winning the game. They're beating us. Then the Prophet ﷺ is now reminding them that money is not the only sadaqah. Spending in charity is not the only way of gaining hasanat. There's another way as well. Then he told them, did Allah not give you something that you can spend in charity? Oh, there's a charity, something other than money? In other words, the Prophet ﷺ is defining that charity can be something that is not monetary. So the Prophet ﷺ has defined sadaqah, charity, to be something much more, you know, much more comprehensive. It's much more encompassing. It's much more vast. Meaning, any act of good. Any act of good. Inna bikulli tasbihatin sadaqa. For every subhanallah, you get a charity. Wa kullu takbiratin sadaqa. And every Allahu Akbar you say is a charity. وَكُلِّ تَحْمِيدَةٍ صَدَقَةٍ And every Alhamdulillah is a charity. وَكُلُّ تَحْلِيلَةٍ صَدَقَةٍ And every La ilaha illallah is a charity. وَأَمْرٍ بِالْمَعْرُوفِ صَدَقَةٍ And enjoining somebody to do something good is also charity. You tell somebody, brother, you know, if you fast in the month of Sha'ban, there's great reward in it. You know, month of Rajab is Ashurul Hurum. It's one of the sanctified months. If you fast, you get great reward. And then the person fasts. So you did Amr bil Maruf. That's a sadaqah. You see what I'm saying? Wanahiyan an munkarin sadaqah. And forbidding the evil is also sadaqah. Oh, brother, you shouldn't smoke. You know, this is not good for you. Oh, yeah, man, I'm just trying to quit. But yeah, thanks. Thanks for reminding me. I, I'm, you know. 
is nahyanil munkar. Forbidding somebody, guarding somebody from the sin is also a charity. And the Prophet now says, even when you have relations with your wife, this is a good deed. What? Now the Sahaba is saying, Ya Rasulullah, a person is having relations with his wife, Ayati Ahaduna Shahwatahu, Wayakunlahu fiha ajr. A person is fulfilling his desire. Will this be for him a good deed? This is for him a charity? So then look at how the Prophet explains things so beautifully. If he were to fulfill his desires in haram, what do you think that would be? Would it be a sin? He said, yes. So if he's doing something which is halal, he is fulfilling his desire and he's doing something which is permissible, is this not a good, good deed then? Yes. So it's a good deed in what sense? Not in just... So the, he's trying to explain to the Sahaba, you're just looking at it from a very restricted, narrow perspective. Let me explain to you. This act that you're doing, you're protecting yourself from zina. Is that not an ajr? Protecting yourself from sin. Is that not a good deed? Protecting yourself from haram and forbidden actions. Is this not a good deed? Oh yes, it is. He said then, he will get a reward for it. From this we understand, subhanallah, that every one of these things that we do, the subhanallah is a good deed. The alhamdulillah is a good deed. The Allahu Akbar is a good deed. And if we do this, we will win the game. This is how we rack up points. This is how we rack up the points. In one hadith it comes, one of my favorite hadith. The Prophet said, two actions, if a person does it, he will win this game. Two actions. He said, but the people who do it are very few. Ya Rasulullah, we want to we know, what are those two actions? He said, okay, number one, after every salat, you say subhanallah 10 times. And alhamdulillah 10 times. And Allahu Akbar 10 times. We know that we've heard of 33, 33, 34, right? But this is another discount version. This is also Sahih Hadith. This Hadith has also been narrated 10 times. After every salat, you do subhanallah 10 times. Alhamdulillah 10 times. Allahu Akbar 10 times. What is that? That's 30 after every salat and that's 150 at every day 5 times 30 150 so he said that's 150 on the tongue and 1500 on the scales are you guys understanding where this is going he said that's 150 on the tongue and 1000 500 on the scales. He says, what's the second one? He said, the second one is, before you go to sleep, say subhanallah 33 times, and alhamdulillah 33 times, and Allahu Akbar 34 times. And that is a hundred on the tongue, and a thousand on the scales. Put it together, 2,500 good deeds you did in that day. And a person cannot exceed 2,500 sins. You can't exceed 2,500 bakwas. Some people do a lot of bakwas, Dr. Sahib. But humanly not possible. 2,500 deeds will always encompass 
any bakwas or any bilkufi that a person, a nalaiqi that a person will do, any sin or mistake that a person, you can't surpass that. In other words, if you follow this regimen of 2,500 hasanat daily, because what would you say? What is, what's this game about, guys? What's the game about? Professor, you're only coming today? I told the whole purpose of life today. You missed the whole purpose of life. What this whole game is about. Okay, listen to the recording. So, 2,500. How many persons can commit 2,500 sins in a day? 2,500 random statements. 2,500 bakwasat. 2,500. You can. In other words, it puts you to a threshold which no sin or mistake can overtake that. You guys, you guys get where this is going with? So then the Sahaba said, Ya Rasulullah, but this doesn't make sense. You said that the people who do it are very few. How can that be? This is very easy. He said, no, it's not easy. He said, how? He said, because as soon as a person finishes the salat, shaitan comes and said, Uthkur kada. Oh, you forgot to do this. Oh, you have this. You have to do that. You have to look at your phone. You have to look at your you know, status. You have to check your email. You have to, you have, you have to. And then, oh, just, I'm not going to say subhanAllah. I'm not going to say alhamdulillah. You get lazy. Maybe after you hear this hadith, you're going to do it. But you see, after two, three days, shaitan's going to start working on you. Yeah, after you read this hadith, you might do it for two salats. And then after that, you're back to, back to score one. Trust me, I know. I'm one of the ones that get beguiled. Right? So then, he said, what about the second one? He says, Wathani said the second one, he said, when you go to sleep, فَالشَّيْطَانُ يَنَوِّمُهُ Shaitan, you know وِمُهُ Shaitan puts you to sleep. Go to sleep. Don't worry. Come on, come on. You had a long day. You had a long day. Go to sleep. And he goes to sleep without doing his tasbihat. That if you were to just follow this, 2,500 hasanat in your book of deeds, cash, right? In your bank, in your akhirat account, in your akhirat currency. You know, you have the Bitcoin and the, and the cryptocurrencies and the, all these other things. Now you have your akhirat currencies. You have akhirat currency deposit every day, every day, every night. You multiply that every day, 2,500 multiplied by 360, right? You just don't do nothing. Just do the 2,500. You don't do anything else. This would go a long way. Such a simple, such a simple formula to live by. He whose deeds are heavy, he's the winner. I like to use the winner and loser. It's a game. It's an analogy. Life is not a game. Life is not a joke. Please don't, for, I'm not trivializing the reality of life. I'm using the analogy. I hope everybody understands. Alhamdulillah, you guys are not that picky. There's some people, they, uh, Sheikh, why did you say life is a game? Innamal hayatu dunya laib. Allah said, <laughs> I have proof from the Quran. The life of this world is nothing but game, nothing but amusement. But this is yani Allah Azawajal talking about our deception. When we fall into deception, life becomes like a game in people's minds. Not that it's actually a game, it's a very serious matter. 
But the analogy of a game, it makes us understand winners and losers because we want to be winners. We want to be muflihun. Nobody wants to be khasirun. Everybody wants to be faizun. Everybody wants to be najihun. We want to be winners. We want to be triumphant. We want to be on the top. We don't want to lose. We don't want to fail. That's why I like to use this word, winners. Those who have heavy deeds on that day, they are winners. This is a very, very simplistic way of looking at it, but it's an easy analogy. And it'll keep your mind sharp what I got to do every day. I wake up today, how many hasanat did I get? Did I read my Quran today? How much amal did I do? And you guys have to understand this. When I talk about hasanat, you're probably thinking, oh, well, they oh, just sit there, subhanAllah, 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 blah, 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 and I'm just like racking up. No, that does something to you internally. Don't just think there's tasbihat and the subhanAllah and the alhamdulillah and the la ilaha illallah and the Allahu Akbar and the tilawatul Quran is something that is just bir, 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 something you're just uttering with your mouth like a parrot. This does something to you. It has a light. It has a nur. It has an effect of purification. It has an effect of rectifying your character. So along with what you are doing, those hasanat and those amal now start reflecting upon your heart and it starts purifying your heart. It starts rectifying your character. It starts reforming your condition. So don't just be sitting there, oh, it's just about hasanat. Bir, 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 bir. I say a couple of subhanallahs here, and I say a couple of alhamdulillahs here, and I read a couple of things here, and then, you know, I'm going to go to Jannah. It's not as simple as that. Because these hasanat and these amal is nur, and that nur dispels the darkness of the heart, and our greed, our jealousy, our anger, our lusts, our temptations, and all these other darknesses that we have, to the subhanallah, it goes away. To the alhamdulillah, it it's not just like a person's going to say, Oh, subhanAllah, 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 and then go and do whatever sin you want to do. Your subhanAllah, your alhamdulillah, your charity, your sadaqah, your amr bil ma'roof, your tilawatul Qur'an will withhold you. It will hold you back from falling into those sins. It will rectify you. It will purify you from now having the desire to do those things. You will not no longer, the person who does hasanat, he does not have the desire to do sayyat. Your mizaj changes. Isn't it, Daksab? Imagine if you take 1,000 milligrams, 2,000 milligrams of something before you have a desire for just sitting and lazy. And when you take the 1,000 milligrams, all of a sudden you just changes your whole temperament. It changes your whole mizaj. If 1,000 milligrams of a vitamin changes your mizaj, 1,000 milligrams of hasanat is not going to change you. You're just going to stay like that, bilkuf, and just like sitting around and lazy and lethargic and not wanting to do. No, that has a very great impact on akhlaq and on character because every word is nur. And that nur dispels the darkness. Our laziness is a darkness. Our doubts is a darkness. Our lust is a darkness. Our temptations is a darkness. Our inclination to dunya is a darkness. The more dhikr you make, the more you're increasing the light, the more the darkness goes away. Your lust will leave you. Your temptations will leave you. Your attraction to, to desires will leave you. It will. It's amazing. It's magical almost. It's not magical. It's practical. It's not magical. It's practical. Tilawatul Qur'an, shifa'ul lima fi sudur. I didn't say it. Allah Azza wa said it. Hada nur. Allah says, this is nur. 
This is light. The light dispels the darkness. Allah says, Shifa'un lima fi sudur wa huda wa rahmatun lil mu'mineen. This is a cure for the sickness of the heart. And it is a guidance. It is a shifa. It is a rahmah. You will change. It will be transformational. So this is very powerful. It's not just, oh, you're giving charity, or you're saying subhanallah, or you say alhamdulillah, and then you remain a donkey. No. Himar, humor comes out of you. The himarness, the donkeyness will come out of you. It transforms you. It's light, it's spiritual effulgence, it's barakah, it's rahmah, it's shifa. We have to do it. And you see, trust me, one page of Quran daily, your whole life will change. Sit with wudu, facing towards qibla, and with reverence, read that one page of Quran. You won't be the same person. Guarantee it. Your heart will change. Say, Ya Allah, your Quran is shifa. Give shifa to my sick heart. From our mashayikh, Hajim Dadullah Mahajir Makki, when he would read Surah Yasin, Yasin Qalbul Quran. You know what Haji Sab used to say? Oh Allah, to the qalb, to the heart of your Quran, change the heart of this faqih. To the barakah of the heart of your Quran, change my heart. How are you going to remain the same? You become real people. May Allah Ta'ala give us tawfiq to implement what has been said. May Allah give us the understanding. May Allah Ta'ala give us the enablement to implement these teachings in our lives. Wa akhiru da'wana alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Subhanakallah, alhamdulillah, 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 alhamd